You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Roz Rudd. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Well, as we've already heard, reconciliation is a pretty familiar word in our culture, and this process of restoration of friendly relations between the wider Australian community and our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders began in 2001 when our then Prime Minister, Kevin Rudd, uh, formally apologised on behalf of all Australians, expressing our sorrow and repenting for the way in which we as a nation have treated our Indigenous brothers and sisters and for the hurt and damage that's been done to them. The hope is that healing will occur as part of this ongoing process. And reconciliation is also part of the culture of our church community. For just as we have been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus, we are also to be reconciled one with another. And as Christians, this isn't optional. And reconciliation in the New Testament, the word used for that has an even stronger meaning. The Greek word that is used here means getting rid of the enmity that exists between us. It is the bridging over of the quarrel or conflict. So over the past seven weeks in this Peacemaker series, we've been acknowledging the conflict that exists in our lives and within the church. And we too have been working through this process of reconciliation. For although the church community is our spiritual family, it's made up of humans. And remember that where there are humans, there is conflict. Things are said and done, often driven by our own desires. We have been hurt, hurt by, or have hurt others by our words and actions, and conflict has resulted. So tonight we come to the culmination of our series on peacemakers. And we know that as Christians we're called to be peacemakers, but when conflict does occur, we are not to avoid it. Rather, we are to work through it, working toward reconciliation, building the bridge. Now a bridge must have a solid foundation, and our foundation is rock solid, for we build on Christ the rock. Then the building blocks used must be strong and the materials enduring. And scripture has been used as the building blocks for this series, shaped through the wheel of reconciliation to provide structure and shape for the bridge. However, a bridge has two sides. And while we've been building the bridge from our side, building from the bridge of the other side mightn't have begun yet. For there'll be times when no matter how hard we strive for peace, when we've done all that we can to resolve the conflict, our peacemaking doesn't turn out as we'd hoped. 
for the other person may stubbornly and defensively resist our efforts. In fact, they might even become more antagonistic and find new ways to frustrate us. And it is this issue that the Apostle Paul addresses in our reading from Romans 12. So in verses 17 and 18, he urges us not to repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is good in the sight of everyone. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And we know that this isn't always possible, yet we are not to take revenge. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've thought, well, that's not very fair. That person's just getting away with doing and saying whatever he or she wants. And then there's enormous temptation to take matters into our own hands and to strike back, for it seems to us then that God's way hasn't worked. Now, there's a member in my own extended family who's been holding something against me for many years now, and I've asked her countless times to sit down together with me so that she can tell me what I've done. But she totally refuses to do that, and I can't make her. I know she's told others, and I've heard bits about it, but I really don't know what it is. So I can't apologise or begin to reconcile with her. My hands are tied. Now this situation has the capacity to hurt me and to make me angry. And in all honesty, sometimes revenge has seemed sweet, very sweet. And yes, I've been tempted, sorely tempted at times. In this case, I haven't taken revenge because the cost to our family would be too great. And yes, there have been times in other situations when, to my shame, I have taken revenge. And not only has it not helped the situation, but it hasn't been a good witness for anybody else who's been there. So verse 19 is very clear. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, the most fundamental reason we are not to take revenge is that by our clumsiness, we may block God's work in another person's life and do even more damage to the situation. And we often just want to get even. That's our sinful human nature. We want justice. And justice is right. Justice is good. But we only have to look at society to see how the emphasis it puts on getting justice at all costs. Consider the books we read, the movies we watch, even including children's movies, where they always end up with something bad happening to the perpetrator and justice being done for the hero of the tale. And we cheer them on. Yep, that's great. That person deserved that. However, God in his unfailing love and infinite mercy has a different plan. 
God wants to bring that person we're in conflict with to a place of repentance and reconciliation with himself. For hard as it may be for us to swallow, and regardless of what has happened, God loves that individual just as much as he loves you and me. God sees things we don't see. God knows the motives of our hearts and our thoughts before we even think them. He knows the words we'll use before they're out of our mouths. He knows what we're going to do before we do it, and he knows the reason why. While we, on the other hand, in our humanity don't know or fully understand, nor should we, all that is going on in another person's life, or how God will work through these circumstances to bring that person into relationship with himself. For it is always God's will that each one of us will be reconciled to him. And therefore, our aim must always be to bring people into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, God has a better view than we do, and he has a higher goal. For he sees the whole picture, and we only see the small part that involves us. But God doesn't just leave it there. He offers us here a better way of dealing with even the most seemingly impossible conflicts. He offers an alternative to revenge, a way that might seem naive to the rest of the world. We are called to be countercultural, to act contrary to our natural tendencies where our enemies are involved. Verse 20 says, If your enemy's hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For in doing so, you'll heap burning coals on their heads. Now this verse uses some pretty strong language, talking about enemies and burning coals. So let's have a closer look at those points. When we're in conflict with someone, we don't usually think of them as our enemy. So we might well say here that that word's a bit strong, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, and for good reason. For in this serious matter of conflict in our churches, this is how God sees it. The one who has hurt us becomes our enemy. And often that person is a friend or family member, perhaps a colleague, someone who's close to us, who knows us very well, which is one of the reasons it can hurt us so very much. And then there's the matter of the burning coals. So what's all that about? Well, many commentators think that Paul was referring to an ancient Egyptian practice, a ritual, that when a person in public gave evidence of their repentance, they would often put a pan of burning coals on their head and begin carrying it around to indicate their remorse and shame over the way in which they've treated the other person. So understanding this helps us to make some sense of verse 20. 
for we're to treat those who have hurt us, that is, our enemies, with kindness. We are to love them and to provide for their needs. And when we do this, this loving kindness, these burning coals, may cause them to be sorry and ashamed of their behaviour, leading to repentance. It doesn't always, but it can. In Luke 6, verse 27, we're told to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us and to bless those, to bless them and not curse them. This is difficult love and it's never going to be easy. Yet love is the bridge over the river of conflict. So how can we best love them? How can we continue to build the bridge? Well, when we love our enemies, we will first of all pray for them. Prayer offers us the opportunity to focus on God and to recommit ourselves to his ways rather than focusing on ourselves and fretting about the situation and perhaps yielding at that stage to the temptation to take things back into our own hands. It also enables us to confess and acknowledge our own part in the conflict and also any unloving thoughts that we might have been harbouring. So we commit the person to God in prayer, faithfully and regularly trusting them, trusting him, knowing that only God can transform their hearts. And we must also guard our hearts and our tongues. For the state of our hearts is usually reflected in the words coming out of our mouths. So we're to make every effort to say only what is true, both true and helpful. And when a situation is prolonged, temptations increase and we're more likely to give in to gossip and slander and we can get carried away using reckless words which will only inflame the situation even further. And it's always much easier to talk about the person than to them. So this is not an easy process and it can be painful and difficult. And we need to be vigilant. And we are to recognise our own limits. I'm sure we've all felt at times that we've been pushed to the very limit. But we know our own capabilities. We know how much we can handle in a situation of conflict. And when we've done everything we can, we can safely hand the situation over to the Lord and leave it there without feeling that we have failed. And it's easier to accept our limits if we have a biblical view of success, for God defines success in terms of faithful obedience to his commands. There were times in my hospital chaplaincy when I visited patients who really didn't want to have anything to do with me. And when I was finally able to talk to them, many, many of them told the same tale. They had left the church 
and I'm talking about all denominations here, not just one. They'd left the church because of the harsh attitudes and unloving behaviour that they'd suffered. Some had also suffered from the leaders of those churches and some had suffered abuse, verbal and physical. And the leaders of those churches at times had protected those who had carried out the abuse. And what was my limit? What could I do? I didn't bother getting into making excuses or trying to defend the church in these situations, for those situations are indefensible. But instead, I could tell these people about the God who loves them unconditionally. And another situation we often encounter, at least personally speaking, is when we've had a conflict and we have forgiven the person, as we're told to do, we're still left with feelings and emotions. And sometimes they can eat away at us and they're difficult. Yet we shouldn't and mustn't just push these feelings and emotions down. We can lay them before the Lord, pray about them, try to work through them. But there will also be times when we need to seek godly advice. There are times when we need support from people who can encourage us and give us biblically sound counsel. Godly advisors are especially helpful when we're involved in a tough conflict. They can encourage us to continue to follow God's way and they can correct us when we get it wrong. So this deliberate, focused love is the bridge to reconciliation and healing. And while sometimes this means going to our enemies to show them their faults, at other times there may be a need for mercy and compassion, for patience, for words of encouragement. So let us respond in love to our enemies, feeding their hunger and quenching their thirst, building our part of the bridge and trusting God to do the rest. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.